Praise the Lord, church. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise tonight if we can. I want to I call out someone right now. Sister Karen Biddle is standing up back there. You know, she had surgery today. And she decided she's still going to come to the house of the Lord. That's faith right there. You know, it, she could have said, oh, it, it's just a midweek service. I had surgery today. I'm sore. I'm tired. I could have stayed home today. But she knew she had a blessing waiting for her in the house of the Lord today. And we need to, we need to think like her tonight. No matter what we're going through, we need to expect a blessing. I'm really excited to, to be here tonight. As, as Pastor John mentioned, I, I feel like the Lord gave me a, a great message for someone today. But I do also feel a heavy burden and Sister Amber can tell you, I've been, I've been a little bit stressed out about this message. I don't know what it is, but I feel like the Lord's trying to, really trying to work on someone tonight. And, uh, but, I, but I'm really excited. So we're, we're going to jump right into the word here. If you have your Bibles, uh, go with me to the second book of the Bible, the book of Exodus. Uh, the book of Exodus. I've been, I've been teaching my Sunday school class out of the book of Exodus and talking about Moses. So uh, this is just, it's been on my heart. Uh, the book of Exodus chapter 13, book of Exodus chapter 13, and, and we're going to start in verse 17. Uh, the book of Exodus chapter 13 and verse 17, if you don't have your Bibles, the scriptures provided for you, Exodus 13 and 17, it says, and it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up, harnessed out of the land of Egypt. And as we end this scripture there, I, wanna, I want us to to wrap our minds around this thought today. Handle the unexpected. Handle the unexpected. Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we come before you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this magnificent presence we already feel in your house today, Lord. Lord, I don't know who this message is for today, but I know your words are gonna come through me, God. Lord, and speak to your people tonight, God. I pray that your people open their hearts and open their minds tonight, Lord, to hear your word tonight, God. Lord, we love you, and we thank you what you're going to do in this place. We thank you what we're doing in our lives, Lord. We love you. We give you all the praise, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated, church. Church, there are, there are a lot of adjectives and a, a lot of interesting adjectives that can be used to describe the nature of and the character of God. And, and, and for our time here tonight, I want to I wanna lift up one that, that I think is extremely important. But at the same time, it could be extremely unsettling. And that is that God is unpredictable. God is unpredictable. Now, now stay with me. I, I, don't want you to, I don't want to lose you already, but don't, don't hear what I'm not saying tonight. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying in any way 
that there is any inconsistency in God's character. That, that's not what I'm saying. God is consistently consistent. He is reliably reliable. He is unchanging. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He was a way maker. He is a way maker. He will be a way maker. He was a door opener. He is a door opener. He will be a door opener. He was a healer. He is a healer. He will be a healer. Come on, somebody. The only reason that we are all somewhat sane in the midst of the chaos that we experience in our world today is because God has been consistent. The economy has been unpredictable, but God's been consistent. The only reason we are here is because God has been consistent. I'm not saying that there isn't any, or that there is any inconsistency in his character, but I am saying that there's unpredictability in his activity. In other words, we can, we can predict who God will be, but we cannot always accurately anticipate what God will do. What God will do. We, we see instances in Scripture all throughout the New Testament specifically where people found themselves in situations and circumstances, and Jesus responded immediately. And, and then we look at the same New Testament And we see examples and instances like in John chapter 11 with a man named Lazarus. Jesus gets word that Lazarus is sick, and instead of going immediately, he delays himself intentionally. He says, no, I'm going to wait about four days before I get there, because at the time the Sadducees had a teaching there that the spirit of a man didn't leave him until after three days. And so when he got there on the fourth day, they knew that it was indeniably, unexplicably a miracle. See, you can predict who he will be, but you can't always predict what he will do. See, see, there's some instances where where Jesus heals by touching them. Then there are some instances, like in Mark chapter 5, where someone got healed by touching the hem of him the hem of him. She didn't even touch him. She touched what was touching him. She said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And then there are times where where he spoke the word and healed. And then there are times where he spit in dirt, made mud, and put mud on a person's eyes, and they got healed. And then there are times like when the apostle Paul He said, because of the abundance of revelation given to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice, three times, that it might depart from me. And after the third time, God responded and said, no, my grace is sufficient. Paul says, God, you're not going to change this? And God says, no, I'm not going to change that. But, But God, the devil sent it. And God says, yeah, the devil sent it, but I kind of like it. So, so I'm leaving it. God, God, things have never been worse in my life. Yeah, but spiritually, they've never been better. They've never been better. God, I've been in so much pain. Yeah, but you've never been in so much prayer. You've never been in so much prayer. 
So, so instead of altering this, I'm going to give you grace to endure it. There's no inconsistency in his character, but there is unpredictability in his activity. So life, then, will be full of surprises. So, that, so this means that the course and the quality of our life is going to be determined by our ability to handle the unexpected. The quality of our life is going to be determined by our ability to handle the unexpected. Now, now if you're like me, th- this is unnerving, and, and this could be unsettling. We, we like predictable. It's uncomfortable for those of us who do not like disruption. But, but if I want to be used by God, I must be willing to be disrupted. If I want to be used by God, I must be willing to be disrupted. Because, because God is a God of disruption. You'll, you'll, be, you'll be minding your own business, tending to your sheep, and then all of a sudden you'll see burning bushes on fire and you thought you were out of Egypt for the rest of your life, like Moses, and then he'll start telling you to take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. And he says, I know you thought you were going to do one thing in your life, but I'm ready to disrupt it, and I'm going to send you back to the place you said you would never go back to. I'm going to take this guy who, who has been in the Catholic Church his entire life, and I'm going to send him this beautiful girl and because she's beautiful, he's going to follow her to the church that she attends. And because of her obedience, he's going to learn the plan of salvation, repent of his sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, receive the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and he will become the youth pastor of an apostolic church. That's God. Only God can do that. So God's, God's going to disrupt your plan so his plan for your life can be fulfilled. Gideon, minding his own business, threshing about and threshing in wheat in a wine press, disruption, disruption. So, so the course and the plot of my life is going to be determined by how I handle the unexpected. Because God and life are full of surprises. This means people who live well must be willing to relinquish what many in our culture, especially today, are addicted to holding on to. And that is control. Control. Control, it, 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 and what's weird is we need, we need to relinquish what we don't even really have. So, so we're relinquishing the illusion of something for the sake of peace because the idea that we have control is an illusion because we don't. <laughs> we have responsibility but not control. We have influence but not control. Control is an illusion. Control is reserved for the Almighty. And, and when we attempt to take on the responsibility and the weight of control, we're taking on God weight. We're taking on God weight. And, and, then, and then we're carrying weight that we're not conditioned to carry, and then our bodies and our minds start to respond in some inappropriate ways to, to send you a message that you weren't designed to carry this. You've been designed to focus on today. 
you, you haven't been built to worry about tomorrow. Because while you're sleeping, he's the God that never sleeps or slumbers. While you're trying to figure it out, he's the God that's already working on it. That's God weight. You get today, he's got tomorrow. You get today, he's got tomorrow. Control is an illusion. When you, when you try to take control, you're taking on God weight. And our minds and our bodies respond in a way to let us know that we're not meant to carry that weight. I've got responsibility and I've got influence, but I don't have control. And here's a question, especially for those who, who have decided to follow the principles of Jesus. Do you only trust God with your past or do you trust him with your future? Do you only trust God with your past or do you trust him with your future? With your future. Because this means I must be willing to wrap my head around an experience that we see here in this text, in this text that we read. This text teaches us how to handle these surprise seasons. How to handle these surprise seasons. This text here in Exodus offers some insight on how to handle seasons and situations that are unexpected. This book of Exodus, it, it captures the Israelites' uh, exit out of Egypt. It shows us something really interesting. It shows us that we may, able to, we may be able to look at God's promises, and it shows us where he is taking us, but the text teaches us that you may be surprised by the way he takes us. You may be surprised by the way he takes us there because, because this text is, is the fulfilling of a promise he makes to Moses in private. And, and, and God tells Moses in private, I'm sending you back to Egypt and you're going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go and you're going to take my people to a land that I promised them. It's inhabited by the Canaanites. It's Canaan land. It's the promised land in the Old Testament. In the New Testament picture of light, and it's the New Testament picture of light that's available in Christ. And so God says to Moses, I'm going to use you to take Israel from Egypt to the promised land. Those were the only two destinations in the conversation. Those were the only two destinations in the conversation, Egypt and the promised land. Only two destinations in the, in the conversation, Egypt and the promised land. So when Moses goes to Israel, he starts preaching God's promise. And God is going to take us from Egypt. And God is going to take us to the promised land. And he's preaching, and the people are excited, and they're shouting. And, and then finally, as God is making good on the promise, the Bible says when Pharaoh lets the people go, God did not lead them on the road through Philistine country, though that was near Though that was near. Wait, wait a minute, God. You said, you said I was going from Egypt to the promised land. You, you didn't say anything about this other route here. You didn't say anything about, about this other route. Come on, somebody. It says God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. Because the assumption is we want to have a straight path to the promise. We want to have a straight path to the promise. God says, no, I, I know that's closer, but I can't lead you 
the short way. And watch what he says, because if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. They might change their minds and return to Egypt. Because God knows what battles that you're not ready to fight. God knows what battles you're, you're not ready to fight. He said, I could take you that way, but if I take you that way, you're going to be exposed to some adversity that you're not quite developed for, and it's going to send you back. It would have sent them back physically, but sometimes it sets us back spiritually, and it sets us back emotionally, and God knows what battles we're not ready to fight. There's a backside to every blessing. So, so here it is. They, they were ready to, to get out of Egypt and, and get into Canaan, but they were not ready for the adversity that the short path required. He, sa- he says, I know that's shorter, but there's a backside to that. There's a backside to that. And, and you're ready for the front side, but you're not ready for the backside. Because to whomsoever much is given, much is required. And sometimes I'm not holding you up because you're not ready for the front side. I'm holding you up because you're not ready for the back side. I'm not holding you up because I'm not going to give it to you. I'm holding you up so that when I give it to you, you'll be mature enough to handle it so you can keep it. I'm telling you, I'm not sure who this is for tonight. I said this earlier, but, but I'm talking to somebody who's experiencing a divine delay. You're experiencing a divine delay. And I want you to know that, that it's delay, not denial, because God knows how to put you in the right place at the right time. Maybe you're ready for it, but you're not ready for it. Maybe you're ready for it, but you're not ready for it. You know, you, you, know, you could be ready for the promotion, but you're not ready for the pressure. You could be ready for a pulpit, but you're not ready for haters. You could be ready for responsibility, but not ready to be a light. And God's like, I got to make sure your heart is as good as your gift is. I got to make sure that your soul as a whole is as your gift, because if not, your gift will lead you and put you in places that your heart is not mature enough to handle. And a blessing will feel like a curse. It'll feel like a curse if you get it too early. Has he ever delayed something in your life, church? I think we need to give God some praise right now if he's ever delayed anything in your life. Come on, let's thank God for for every open door, but for every open door that he closed that he knew I wasn't ready to walk in. God said, no, if they face war, they might change their mind and return to Egypt. Don't change your mind today. God doesn't want you to change your, your mind. He's delaying your divine intervention because he doesn't want you to return to Egypt. He's waiting for you to be ready to handle it. So, so let's go back to what the text says. It, it says. it says something here in verse 18. It says, but God led the people about through the way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. So... In some translation, he calls this the desert. So, so this is a destination that God left out of the conversation, right? Like we talked about earlier, he, he left the wilderness and the desert out of the conversation. 
And if you go back and you look at the conversation with Moses and Moses's conversation with Israel, there's no mention of the wilderness or the desert. This means (laughs) that God intentionally withheld information from Israel until they were out of Egypt. He intentionally withheld information from Israel until they were out of Egypt. It means that, that he, he intentionally withheld information from them until they were too far into it. They were too far into it. They thought about going back. They talked about going back. But they were too far into it to go back. And, and I want to see if someone can relate to Israel. Now, I believe that, that sometimes God intentionally withholds information from us because if you knew everything you were going to say yes to, you might not given him a yes. If you knew everything you were saying yes to, you might not have given him a yes. So, so I'm going to wait until you're too far away from Egypt until you recognize everything that you got yourself into because if I let you know in the beginning, you would have never left your starting point. He takes them through this wilderness, and, and, and when I first look at this, I'm thinking, that's pretty negative. He, he took them through this wilderness, and it's pretty negative. I don't want that. That's negative. Then God said to, said to me, it's necessary. And I'm like, no, that, that's negative. And he said, no, it, it's necessary. See, see, the wilderness is only negative if you stay there longer than you have to. The wilderness here represents surprise seasons. It represents surprise seasons. It represents the unexpected. It represents what you can't predict and what you do not prefer. What you can't predict and what you do not prefer. And God says that the wilderness seasons are are not necessarily negative, and they are necessary Because these seasons, although we don't prefer them, are seasons of preparation. And it's strange because it's preparation that God keeps you uninformed about. It's preparation that God keeps you uninformed about. (laughs) Because God's the only one that will take you to school and you don't even know that you're in class. You don't even know you went to school until it's over. Is there anybody in here that can look back on their life and say, I didn't understand why I went through the certain things while I was in the middle of it, but once I got on the other side of it, I look back and I realize God was teaching me something, and if I didn't learn what I needed to learn back then, if I wasn't developed in the ways I needed to be developed back then, I wouldn't be in the position to handle where I am right now. I want, I want to pause one second and tell somebody in this place, he's not just your savior, he's your teacher, and he's got you in school right now. He's got you in school, and he's teaching you some things that you need to learn, so just sit back in your desk and get the lesson so that you receive your blessing. Amen. So, so he sets them in their wilderness, this, this desert, and this is a place of preparation. And wherever there's preparation, there's pruning. 
there's pruning. Wherever there's preparation, there's pruning. Meaning forward movement is not just attached to what we start doing. It is attached to what we stop doing. It's attached to what we stop doing. It's pruning. Uh, Jesus uh, puts it this way in John chapter 15. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it or he prunes it that it may bring forth more fruit. And so in the wilderness, there was a lot of pruning going on. There was pruning of issues. The wilderness becomes almost like an airport hub where certain things get dropped off that can't go to their final destination. And sometimes God drops us in these surprise seasons. He says, because I want to give you an opportunity to deal with some of the things that can't go with you where you're going where you're going because new seasons will keep feeling like old seasons if we don't deal with old issues. And and this might be one of the reasons why David, when he defeated Goliath, he went up to him and he cut off his head because sometimes we knock the giant down and we think it's dead. Sometimes we knock the giant down and we, and we think it's dead and then we turn our back on it and try to move forward in a new season and then an old problem rears itself back up into a new one. Pruning. And now this one might be, might be a little uncomfortable, but there's, there's also a time where there's pruning of individuals. Where there's pruning of individuals and this might be awkward, but, but it's so important. Proverbs chapter 13 and 20 says, He that walketh with the wise, with wise men, shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. It doesn't say a fool shall be destroyed. It says a companion of fools, which means I don't have to be a fool to be hurt. I just got to hang out with them. I just got to hang out with them. Are you, are you going to let a companionship with fools destroy you? Are you going to let the temporary joy of foolishness destroy you? The scriptures say bad company disrupts good character. Issues. Individuals. It's a time where God purges us of attitudes. Notice uh, that the text says, when, when the people see war, they might return to Egypt. And, and for hundreds of years, they've been slaves. The, their minds haven't been conditioned to think like soldiers. So they were out of Egypt, but Egypt was not out of them. So God needed to adjust their attitudes so that they can see themselves properly because you'll always behave in a way that is consistent with how you see yourself. And God says, I got to get you to see you the way that I see you. And this is why I spend so much time telling you who you are in Scripture because I want you to see yourself the way that I see you so that you can behave in a way that's consistent with who you were born to be, not who you think you really are. And and when we look at Israel's experience, 
we can see a connection in some of ours, in some of our experiences. And I think it really answers some important questions when it comes to surprise seasons. And by now you're probably saying, Brother Chris, what what do I do with these surprise seasons? You've explained them, but what, what do I do with these surprise seasons? What do I do with what I can't control and what I didn't predict and what I don't prefer? What do I do? And here it is. You manage them. You manage them. What do I do when I can't control it? I manage it. Now, now, what does this mean for us? It means for us what it meant for Israel. Practically, when seasons can't be avoided, they must be managed. And how it is managed determines if it's prolonged or made permanent. And, and I want to give you a few ways to manage seasons like this because the season itself is a surprise. But then once you get in the season, you're going to experience some things that are surprising also. And this is exactly what happened to Israel. So, so they get in this wilderness season and, and they start getting hungry. They get in this wilderness season and they start getting hungry. You know, they, they want some bread. They, they want to eat. And then all of a sudden the Bible says in Exodus chapter 16 and verse 31... And the house of Israel called the name thereof manna. And it was like coriander seed, and the taste of it was like wafers made with honey. So so they're in the middle of this surprise season. They're asking their Savior for provision. And they wake up one morning, and they see this coriander seed spread on the ground, looking like dew, and they call it manna. Because manna means what is it? What is it? God, God, I asked you for bread. What is this? I asked you for wisdom. What is this? I asked you for strength. What is this? I asked you for a healing. What is this? I asked you for a blessing. What is this? I asked you for more. What is this? And here it is, church, because here manna represents three things. Manna represents three things. Manna represents the times when God's performance doesn't match your expectation. Manna represents the times when God's performance doesn't match your expectation. They asked for bread, and, and, you know, they might have been expecting some biscuits and gravy, but, but the Bible says they saw something on the ground that looks so different than that what they anticipated in their head that they didn't even recognize that God had answered their prayer. He just answered their prayer in a form that was different from what they expected. From what they expected. So, so this is what some biblical historians say. They say that Israel took the seed, and when they took that seed, they grinded it, And when they grinded the seed, it became grain, and they were able to take the grain and to make bread. This means that God's provision came in the form of a project. God's provision came in the form of a project, and you have to be willing to grind to turn it into what you know it could be. I don't know who I'm preaching to tonight, 
but, but I want you to know it's grinding season for you. It's grinding season for you. When God gives you a seed, you got to be willing to grind. And if you grind, you can turn it into what you know it was created to be. It's when God's performance doesn't match your expectation. It's when God's performance doesn't match your expectation. And number two, the, the second manna, what is it? It's when God supernaturally suffocates your supply. When God supernaturally suffocates your supply. And, and this is what, what was interesting about their experience with manna. The manna was only meant to last for 24 hours, except for the day before the Sabbath. Which means when they woke up every day, they had to depend on God to provide. And it wouldn't be like that always, but, but for that season for them, and everybody's going to hit a season where in some area of your life, you will hit a season where God will supernaturally suffocate your supply, and he's going to say, every day, you're going to have to look toward me for this. You're going to have to look toward me for this, because there are things you are going to have to ask me for in the wilderness that you are going to have an overflow of in Canaan. There's some things you're going to have to ask me for that you're going to have an overflow of in Canaan. Canaan is a land that was agriculturally rich. It was flowing with milk and honey. And God says, before you get to Canaan, I want to make sure that you are crystal clear on who your source is and that I've conditioned you properly so when you get to Canaan, you don't get the grapes and forget about God. You don't forget the grapes and forget about God. Is there anybody in this place today who won't get the grapes and forget about God? Because God was there holding me in the midnight hour. God was there coaching and counseling and consoling me. God was there teaching me and training me. He's my source, and I've got to depend and rely on him. It's when he supernaturally suffocates your supply. He says, in this area right now, in this season, I'm going to teach you a different type of dependence. I'm going to teach you a different type of dependence. And finally, manna represents seasonal supply. Manna represents seasonal supply. One of my favorite scriptures in the Old Testament is Joshua 5 and 12. And the beginning of it simply says, and the manna ceased. And the manna ceased. It was temporary. And at this point, they were probably getting, getting some anxiety. And God's like, this is just temporary. This is, this is just what I'm doing to hold you over until I get you to where I'm taking you to. This is just temporary provision that I'm making until I provide in a way that is more permanent. It is a temporary supply, so instead of experiencing anxiety for the manna, they should have expressed appreciation for the manna because they didn't recognize that the manna was a miracle. Sometimes we could be so busy looking for a miracle that we miss the one that we're experiencing. We miss the one that we're experiencing. And God's, God's greatest critique of Israel was their unappreciation of his generosity, generosity to their lives. 
He's done all these miracles, and they're still affected by their entitlement. And they don't know how to respond to what he's already done in their lives. What more do I have to do to prove that I got you, that I got you? Now, now, what's the proper response to miracles? It's appreciation. It's appreciation. And what's the word that, that we use for that in church? It's praise. It's praise. Praise isn't just noise. Praise is good manners. Praise is recognition of God's divine provision in my life, and it is my organic and automatic response. It's an expression of gratitude, and gratitude is the seed for more. The more you sow praise, God starts sowing back into you. And I feel like in the midst of a chaotic world, yes, we've lost a lot. Yes, we're going through a lot. But I feel like we should pause for a minute and reflect on the manna that we've experienced. The miracles that he's performed and refused to be infected with the entitlement and say, I've got to praise God for what he's done. And I'm going to praise God in expectation for what he's getting ready to do. Somebody give him some praise in this house right now. Come on, church. There's miracles all over this place. There's miracles all over. He's done it before he'll do it again you might as well praise him right now because he's gonna do it again for him let's magnify the lord in this house hallelujah thank you jesus you see israel mismanaged their season israel mismanaged their season so What was intended to be temporary turned out to be 40 years. 40 years they wandered in the wilderness because they mismanaged the unexpected. And I told you, this is is the word that God gave to me for somebody. Just because you were surprised, it doesn't mean that you weren't prepared. Just because you were surprised it doesn't mean that you weren't prepared. But but just because you've been surprised by what is coming your way, it doesn't mean that God has not been preparing you for it. And your management of it is tied to your recognition and your revelation because God has prepared me for this. I didn't see this coming, but I'm ready. I was caught off guard, but I'm ready. I don't prefer this, and I wouldn't have picked it, but I'm ready. If God allowed me to experience it, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. When those plagues hit Egypt, God was getting them ready. When he split that Red Sea and they walked through on dry ground, God was getting them ready. And there's some Red Seas that he has split in your life. He was getting you ready, getting you prepared, taking you through school, not even letting you know you've been in class. And now here's the question. In a season like this, are you going to apply what your teacher has taught you? In the season that you're in, Are you going to apply what your teacher has taught you? Stand with me all over this house. I'm coming to a close if the musicians come. Now, 
for me and and I'm sure for a lot of others, I struggle with this practically, but but when I think about it cognitively, it helps me. When I look at God's track record in my life and in your life, when I look at God's track record in my past, doubting him in my present is actually illogical. When I look back at his track record in my past, doubting him in my present and in my future is illogical. So, so sometimes people think faith would be illogical, especially today. People think faith is illogical. But, but when you look at how faithful God has been, it's like, no, doubt is actually illogical. Doubt is actually illogical because, because there hasn't been a time where he hasn't come through for me. There hasn't been a time where he hasn't come through. Now, now sometimes he, he comes through and it's like, manna, what is it? But there has not been a time where he didn't come through. And if he didn't give me what I thought that I needed, he taught me how to live without it. If he didn't give me what I thought I needed, he taught me how to live without it. You didn't see it coming, but God got you ready for it. You didn't see it coming, but God got you ready for it. And as I come to a close here tonight, this is for someone who feels like you've been knocked off your feet and you've been caught off guard. Tonight is is for someone who didn't expect the unexpected. God, I'm so thrown. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I'm here to tell you tonight that just because you're surprised, just because you're surprised, it doesn't mean that you aren't prepared. It doesn't mean that you aren't prepared. God has been getting you ready. And if you're willing to manage this manna, he will show you that what's on the other side of this wilderness experience is a Canaan land and it flows with milk and honey. If this is you tonight, I want you to get out of that seat and come to the front of this church and tell God, you've given me this manna. God, you've given me this manna and I don't know what it is. I may not know what it is, but, but I trust that you prepared me and I trust in the Canaan that awaits me. Thank you, church.